Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. I've got Ben Friedhoff here from Ziggler Ag. How you doing, Ben? Good, good. How you doing, Casey? Good, man. Glad to have you back on the podcast. It's been uh, I've had a, a cold couple, but ten days, I guess now, roughly, of just about. Arctic Arctic chill here. So, how are things up in your neck of the woods right now? Uh, brisk, rather refreshing. Uh, mm-hmm. Quite a bit of snow. We we missed out on the heavy stuff that went about two hours south of us, but uh, okay. part, parts of Iowa are still still digging out pretty hardcore from over the weekend so. yeah yeah so where where do you live at what what part of the uh, about 40 miles north of waterloo iowa kind of okay i guess i'd call it on the line where northeast and north central iowa kind of meet so. gotcha okay yep. all right yeah i know some guys that live in des moines they've had 18 inches of snow or something crazy like that and yeah i think i think there's else. parts down there where it's uh north of two foot they've had yeah in the last seven days so yeah I went yep. to Milwaukee here on Monday uh, this week, and which is a great place to go in the winter. I don't know if you if you thought about that, but <laughs> but they have a um, but they I had heard it's nice what, this time of year. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, same deal where they had all the cold, but they had no snow on the ground. And when I got there, I'm like, man, it must have been snowing here quite a bit. And I talked to the, the Uber guy bringing me in from the airport, and it was, he's like, no, this is all from one storm. And it was like, <laughs> I bet they were plus two plus feet on the ground you know yeah it was yep. just amazing how much snow they yeah. had how much how powerful this one storm was that came through i, I think the day before it started it was 40 degrees so it just yeah. we went from i mean literally green grass to two mm-hmm. foot of snow so yeah i was in nashville the day before it started snowing and i saw some pictures in nashville the day i'm like holy crap i didn't know it snowed like that in nashville but right it obviously does so crazy yeah crazy yeah. crazy all right, man. Let's take a look at this. Tell everybody real quick what what you do for Ziegler Ag and and uh, where where your kind of background comes from. Uh, so yeah, general manager of of used equipment um, for Ziegler Ag. So um, me and my team are responsible for putting all the values on our trade ins, uh, managing inventory, um, you know, forecasting, uh, anything that's involved with the used equipment, liquidations, wholesale, that kind of stuff. Background, uh, been with Ziegler be 
16 years, uh, 1st of February, uh, started off in sales, territory sales, direct to the customer, ran a 8 to 14 county territory at some point in my career. Um, been heavy in used equipment now uh, for about four years uh, for Ziegler and background kind of always been in the machinery business actually been an auctioneer since i was 15 so um kind of i don't know any different at this point yep another 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 cross that you bear there sir yeah so it's uh it's it's always it's fun i love being a used equipment guy it's always one of my favorite things yeah. on the planet to do it's just yeah you get, it's you get a little taste of everything you know <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah exactly it's you never boring let's put it that way yeah. yeah, you get a taste of the whole world, though. You know, I mean, you get the sales mm-hmm. side, you get the analytical side, you get the what's going to happen tomorrow um, side of it. Thing, so it's uh, just it's enjoyable. I love being there. And and the, you know, kind of the best part too is there is no there is no operator's manual, so it's no, you're kind of what you make of it, and um, mm-hmm. you know, try to have fun as you go along. So, yep, yep, that's uh, very true. So. All right, let's jump in here and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So uh, coming out 23, going on 24 right now, look at 2024. A lot of folks out there pretending like this is going to be the, the end of, uh, of, the, uh, of the world um, when it comes to um, the way the economy is going to work out and geopolitical stuff. And I guess if you really just look at the headlines and see what's going on around you, they have a lot of reason to believe that. But, right. but if you're looking at all the stuff's happening, I'm taking a look at 24, kind of thinking it's not going to be as bad as what people make it out to be. I think there's going to be some some things that happen that will change that along the way. I think there's going to be um, more on-farm income than what people are are, are thinking there will be, um, mainly because input costs have come down so dramatically uh, from what they came from, even from 23. Uh, and 23 was down just a little bit for 22. So looking at how those things play out. Um, got a few concerns. You know, start looking at things like, uh, obviously, combines are combines, right? I mean, we can beat mm-hmm. those. We can beat a dead horse there all day long. But when you're looking at row crop tractors, to me, I, I see some some real issue there. Um, there's the adage in, in the used equipment business and uh, the equipment business that, um, you know, you can't be wrong if you have if you have too many tractors. You're you're still in a better spot than if you have too many combines, and that's obviously that's a that's correct. But I, we're going to test that, I think, this year when we see what's going on with row crop tractors. So I guess when you look at that marketplace, Ben, what do you see happening in that realm, and, and what are some of the reactions you're starting to see from customers and sales guys in your area? So I, I guess I would agree with you. I, um, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom on 24. Um, I I have a somewhat optimistic opinion, and I, I guess by optimistic, I mean maybe more of a status quo or a flat line. It's we're not going to see bang buster here, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be as bad as everybody thinks. Exactly. Um, yeah. uh, I think it will be slow. I think until, you know, middle of the summer, maybe um, before we get a lot of traction, just because in my area, uh, very dry last year um, until we got this recent snow, very little moisture has come in. I, I mean, we're talking maybe a couple inches since the end of harvest at most. Um, right. And so we're, we're way behind on the moisture line. So, that's put some some nervous into the market up in this area. Um, interest rates, obviously a big player now. It has seemed to become more of an issue. Um, we're trying to throw some programs out there. There's some subsidized rates that are helping out a little bit. It's not been a deal breaker. It's just something that has become a bigger part of the conversation, in my opinion. Yep. Um, you know, historically, we're still long-term historically sitting at pretty good rates. So. Yep. 
we got to got to kind of get over the shell shock. It's no different than the first time gas hit two dollars. You know, pretty soon yeah. we got used to it and it was fine. But um, but we're there. Inventory wise, you know, like you said, combines. It's everybody's kind of Achilles' heel right now. Um, yeah, a little bit. Row crop tractor. We're starting to see a little bit more uh, issue in that area. We're we're still sitting pretty good with some of our market on that point. We have a lot of um, you know options, new equipment we're bringing to the market, so that we're still trying to catch up a little bit. I think from a new side, um, and so we're still seeing some some gains there a little bit. Um, but we're gonna have to play in the used market like everybody else. Sure, trades. Yeah. So yeah, yep. um, I would see. A bigger concern is in what I've kind of seen is more on the dollar number. Um, it seems like that hundred, hundred and fifty thousand dollar and down unit, you can find a home for it. Um, yeah. You know, there's a buyer for that. It's maybe not as big of a, a leg stretch for the guy. Um, it's that, you know, you hit that three, three fifty, four hundred mark, and it's, yeah. you're really limited your buyer at that point. Yep. So. yep. And I've talked about that on here a lot where we're looking at buyer groups. And where how they fall in there? You got the, you know, the one to two year old guy, three year old guy, something like that. That three to five, and you know, six to ten, and ten and older. Those those buying groups off of they they've shrank right, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they're also locked in that box. You know, forever used equipment wise. If you're a used equipment buyer, they were bouncing around all over the place. You know, you get the guy that wanted the the fifteen hundred hour, the three thousand hour tractor, or something like that, because you know I'm just going to put it on a mixer or whatever and i don't need to spend a bunch of money right then you've got the but he'll also have a, a two-year-old whatever out there with uh you know 500 hours on it and that's a that's a primary tillage tractor planter tractor whatever it is mm-hmm. and across the whole the fleet of the farm you know you just have kind of, if they were used by it you just just whatever they had need for right yeah you sold them what today you yeah today it's <laughs> like this is this is what i can this is the box i have to live in yeah for everything whether it's we're talking high horsepower four wheel drives, big row crops, loader tractors, whatever it is. The box that mm-hmm. they're living in, it's pretty much the same box. You know, it's mm-hmm. they can get a five to seven year old tractor all the way across the entire fleet, and it, that's getting to be more solidified. And I think it, interest rates are part of that, obviously. But also, you know, I wrote an article for Successful Farming, and in the article I talked about from 2017 to 2023, there was a 50 percent increase in in uh, the overall price of equipment, right? Correct. And there was something like, I think it was like a 188% increase in, in, in interest rates in that same time frame. So, I mean, to your point, you know, holy crap, what's going on here where everyone's getting shell-shocked. You see those kind of explosive numbers and growth in the price of equipment, which about between 17 and 23, about three of those years, everyone was kind of numb to that because mm-hmm. you didn't really have anything to sell. And what you did have to sell, you got a premium for. and then you had the farmer had the money to do all that because you know COVID money and crop prices were good and everything else that were there. So there were so many things that were kind of there. Now we're kind of easing back into what the quote unquote new normal looks like. There's a lot of like, Holy crap. What, what is this? And and how are you going to, how are we going to make this work? Well, and I think even in our roles as, as you know, dealer professionals, we've gotten a little numb to what the old days were like. Right, and you know, I I bring this up from a salesman standpoint. Um, 
especially we've had a lot of new you know new people come on board it's kind of back to where you have to go sell stuff where before if you had right. the widget it was gone and right. um price was secondary to the mm-hmm. to the inventory so i think we're all trying to get used to the new norm a little bit right yep yeah yep so when you're looking at so when i'm looking at 24 i kind of feel like we're going to continue to see the deflating of the bubble that we saw, you know, out of, out of COVID, what that looked like. I think as that continues through, um, my feeling is as you get into third quarter 25, we've kind of, we've leveled off enough to where we know what the quote unquote new normal is going to look like. Mm-hmm. What do you, what's your crystal ball telling you as you look through 24 into 25? Uh, 24, like I said, I think cautiously optimistic and I think we'll, right. we'll end up okay. 25, I think there's going to be a lot of what-ifs. I mean, obviously, we're coming into an election year, and it's going to depend on what's going to happen there, mm-hmm. how that affects the economy as far as the ag markets and that kind of thing. Right. Also, obviously, it's been, you know, the foreign markets have been somewhat of a bigger player yeah. to you know towards China. Um, right. And how does that figure into this geopolitical um, mm-hmm. arena a little bit? You know, we've sold quite a few combines over there in the last 24 months. Will that continue mm-hmm. or will it not? Um, yeah. You know, we go in the other direction, Ukraine pretty much off the table. We haven't sold anything over there, so does that change? Um, and will that help us with some of our, I guess, I would call inventory problems? Right. You know, if we get these people back up and in farming in the capacity that they once were. Um, so I think 25 is a little bit more of a crapshoot, for le- for lack of a better term. Um, you know, it's going to see see what happens with interest rates. Let's see what we get for, for yields this year. Um, you know, and kind of see how everything just kind of settles in a little bit. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, we have good partners with our, our finance operations as well as our OEMs to kind of realize that we're all in this together and we're going to have to make it work. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, those are all good points. When you're looking at, let's talk about combines for a little bit here. Let's jump over mm-hmm. there. Not looking at the combine marketplace. Again, I think, you know, you know, combines are combines, the old adage, if you got one combine, you got too many. If you're in, if you're in used equipment type of thing, but I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll laughing aside here is you look at the combine marketplace. And I think this is probably across the spectrum of equipment. So much of, of what we see inventory wise is so front loaded in that, that first, you know, one, two, three year old stuff that's between, you know, 200 and, you know, I don't know, 150 to 350, 400 hours. And then you start getting on the other side of that hump, and there's there's not a lot out there. And I think there's, you can say there's the same a bald spit in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And you say about tractors or anything, when you start looking outside of that one to three year old stuff, there's just not much there. As you're talking with the folks you're working with on the used equipment side, on the on the wholesale side, the jockey side, the dealer to dealer side, are people searching for that seven hundred and fifty hour combine that's Two hundred twenty-five thousand, three hundred thousand dollar combine type deal. Uh, do you have are people searching for that, and are you getting some demand signal for that kind of five-year-old machine? Um, I'll I'll be honest. I think it's a little lack right now. Okay. Um, I think you have your your new buyers, and they're the guys that want to stay current. And then I think um, we've almost like that bald spot that I mentioned that next tier down that was in that seven, eight year old machine, I think with price increases and interest and what the new ones have done that the used maybe hasn't kept in pace with it. And so you're seeing kind of a little bit more shell shock from that B or C buyer by going from a 10 year old or eight year old 
which would now probably be a 1500, 1800 hour machine jumping into that seven or 800 hour machine. And because like you said, those hundred and, you know, 80, 80% plus increase in price and a hundred percent, you know, whatever in interest, they haven't paid attention to the market maybe quite as hard. And when you bring out this new one, it's really expensive or this three-year-old one that's 800 hours. Yeah. It's really expensive. But on the backside, that seven or eight-year-old one, as you know, is not worth much. And right. and there really isn't a lot of buyers for that machine. And so that spread got bigger, right. um, in my opinion. And I think that's that's caused some pumping of the brakes, so to yeah. speak. Um, and a little bit too, I think, I think the customer base um, hasn't modernized on what it should take to to trade for per hour on a combine. I, mm-hmm. I hear a lot of times, you know, well, dad traded for thirty five thousand a year, hundred bucks right. an hour, whatever, and it's mm-hmm. like he did, but you were running a six row machine and doing two thousand bushel an hour. Now you're right. running an eighteen row machine doing seven thousand or six thousand bushel an hour. Mm-hmm. I would sure hope you're not trading for the same. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. Right. But but that's the argument we're still having to have, and it's mm-hmm. that's not realistic. Right. So, yeah. And I, I think the other side of that too, when you, from the perspective of uh, the percentages have stayed the same, right? If you look at from a one-year-old machine, the new to one-year-old machine, where those percentages lie, whether it's, you know, 15, 25%, whatever it is that, 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 that those, that $35,000 represented. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it, if $35,000 on a $200,000 machine, that's 15% roughly, okay. give or take, yep. you know, rough mouth in my head. Today, if you do the same 15% on a, seven hundred thousand dollar machine it's not thirty five thousand dollars right it's one hundred and twenty thousand dollars right yeah they yeah. yeah. can eat it too though right <laughs> that's, yeah. that's right right yeah. so i mean percentages stay the same it's just numbers right. have gotten bigger and i think that's the and and i know from an operational standpoint when you start looking at some of the operations that are out there they've gone from like the days of i buy i buy new combines and i buy used tractors or or you know i buy uh a new combine and every five years I buy a new tractor type of deal. Um, those days are kind of done. You got to, they're really either you're buying new or you're buying used. And it's just mm-hmm. because of, and there's a lot of, it's just the pricing structures that we see right now. I mean, yep. it's just not, the numbers just aren't there, unfortunately to, to do uh, where you, because I had this argument all the time with guys, you know, if you can buy a $700,000 brand new combine, four wheel drive, whatever it is that you're buying spray or whatever, and the used one's priced at six fifty. Um, if you can afford seven hundred thousand, or if you can afford six fifty, you can afford seven hundred thousand. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And yeah. I think that's a conversation that that is like, how far back do you go? And I, you know, as I look through twenty four right now, I think there's a resetting of of that staple of what that looks like, kind of what we saw in um, you know, like fourteen, you know, fourteen, fifteen, mm-hmm. sixteen. We kind of reset kind of what that looks like. And I, it's to the point now where where's the second buyer come in and what price are they going to buy at? Yep. And start making those like how do you chip away at that at that model to get down to that to where well, the second the third guy is going to be at? And you, and you look at it from a, from the new side and how we get our used inventory. You know, we saw five, ten, twenty percent price increases every year, every mm-hmm. six months. The used equipment plays to a different rule set than what the new does the new was doing that because a they probably could b they couldn't get supplies to make them so let's let's make it more expensive because we're selling less of them that's Mm -hmm. great there was this assumption that used followed dollar for dollar and it 
in my opinion, it doesn't. doesn't even come close. No. No. And so it's, it plays more by the supply and demand rule and, and a lot of yep. emotions, really, in the ag yep. world. And I, I find more often than not on a combine, you know, like I said, that AB or that BC buyer, you just have to put a five in front of a used combine and they're like, whoa. Five hundred, yeah, no, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> exactly you don't even right. have to go yeah. and look at the details or what it is. It's just like five. No, it's you can't yeah. have a five in front of it. You know, and yeah. so you've got that emotional part. And to be quite honest, they don't have to because let's look at the inventories right now. I mean, you go on any major website and see how many Class A combines of any color yeah. are out there for sale. There's a lot, There's and and yeah. you're becoming a commodity product at that point, and it's just. Mm-hmm how do you sell that yep. price you know you can sell right. on your service you can sell on your name somewhat at the end of the day and i and i think the buyer's getting more used to that saying yeah i don't have a problem going to to the east coast to buy xyz i'll bring it back you guys will service it it's fine you know right um and i think the i think the industry's got more comfortable with that too so yeah yeah i think so too and, and when you look at how the overarching perspective of how those things those like what you just talked about those dynamics play into it is that as you look at the marketplace now on the youth side it i i compare it to a bushel of corn soybeans you know cow whatever you know it, it's a commodity you know and yep. it's what someone's willing to pay for it that day because used equipment doesn't have the luxury of of an oem pricing structure right it, it's you know we we did this we did that we priced this way Either we were able to sell it or we're not, and if we can't sell it, then we have to lower the price. Uh, if, we, if we don't lower the price, then we got to take to auction. I mean, it's just a whole. There's so many more dynamics that play into how used equipment functions in the marketplace and how used equipment is priced in the marketplace. Dramatically, uh, I mean, it, the, the new kind of sets the the. Here's what top end looks like, and then we're kind of guessing where that structures. Yep. those notches are underneath and i think that's there, the, there's a dartboard somewhere difference. in the oem yeah. office going i think we should yeah. sell them for <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yeah um so yeah but yeah so i think as you look across that spectrum the more the more move into this what the quote-unquote new normal looks like you know I, th- I talked about this the other day with a with a guy on here we were talking about um you know, 17, 18, and 19 were pretty easy years to be in in the uh, as the user equipment manager because there wasn't a big fluctuation in price. Mm-hmm. Everything had kind of cooled off. There were still auctions going on and those kind of things, but it was a very even-keeled thing. There wasn't a lot going on as far as, um, you know, commodity prices jumping up and jumping down, and there wasn't a bunch of volatility like we see right now. There wasn't a bunch of geopolitical stuff going on around the world. It was kind of boring. Yeah, it was. I mean, really. really. Yeah. So now we're looking at that, and I, I kind of think that 25, 26, 27 is, is going to give us that. Unless something, I mean, all that being said, you know, China invades Taiwan and, and something, Iran goes and stirs it up with, with Israel even more than what they're doing now. Uh-huh. I mean, all those things have a huge impact on what's going to happen in the marketplace, right? So it's hard to say that, but it, it kind of feels like we've kind of hit this crescendo of of uh, crazy things happening in the world. And so we've got to be on the backside of this sooner or later. And, and it feels, it feels like 25, 26, hopefully knock on wood. We're kind of back to some level of what the new, new normal is good or bad. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. It's just going to be at what level, you know, where, yeah. where does the slide stop and we, we coast mm-hmm. on out for a little ways. Yeah. I yeah, agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. 
I've been talking a little bit about your your rebuild program. I've always thought that was pretty a good idea. So talk a little bit about the about your theory behind that. And what you're doing there? Yeah, so uh, uh, we are we are uh, working on a, a rebuild program. Actually, I shouldn't say we're working on it. We've done I think it's seven or six. I can't remember. I'd have to go back and count. Um, just finished another one. Hoping to actually anybody out there listening, hoping to have it at the the Des Moines Farm Power Show here in was it two weeks? I think. Um, so we're hoping to have it in there. Uh, and essentially it is what it sounds like. It's, uh, bringing in our legacy machines, which for us is our MT 800, um, B's and C's mostly, um, which would be a 2004 or five vintage up through about a 2014 pre-emission C18 cat engine, 16 speed cat power shift transmission. Um, and, and we're rebuilding them, uh, to brand new. So the one I, I just finished had in, in excess of, I think, um, 16, some thousand hours on it, um, brought it in here. We stripped them down to the frame and, and we basically start over. So they're complete full rebuilds, tip to tail, new reman engine with all the updates, um, new transmission with all the updates, same with the differential cabs are completely gone through. You open the door on this 2006 865 B, it smells like a new one. Um, so it, it is hard to tell and they're, I can't really explain it in words because even I'm shocked at how cool they are when we get them done. I mean, it's right. it's it's like going to a muscle car show for a huge sure. equipment guy. It's no. it's the the GTO or the Nova or whatever your brand is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an 865B. It's big and cool and loud. And I yeah. shouldn't say loud, but you know, it's C18 and good big old brute of a horse. Um, Offering some warranty. This is an, you know, we've got some programs with Agco helping us out, um, but also we're offering warranty through through Ziegler on those. Um, so, I mean, this is something to kind of go out, like we said, on these price point machines. Um, you know, a new five, these would be 550 horse, give or take. Um, you know, compared to a new one, we're hoping to be about a third less. And you get yeah. a pre emission tractor. Um, that unit tends to be, you know, that big horsepower tends to be in our area. We'll call it a big, dumb horse. It goes back and forth. It pulls a ripper. It pulls a field cultivator. Um, so not a lot of, you know, uber awesome technology in there. It just got to be a lot of power, got to be reliable, and it's got to be somewhat comfortable. Um, and it hits all those marks. So going out there and, and kind of hitting that in that niche market where I need a new horsepower. I really like my old tractor. Um, I don't want to spend seven, eight, nine hundred thousand on something just to pull a fuel cultivator. Right. Um, and so we're doing that. The big picture that we're we're trying to get to, and so the six that I've done have been machines that I've gone out and sourced, and we ran through the shops under my my eye and my ownership. Long term, I'd like to move this to a customer facing program, um, to where this guy brings in his legacy machine. It's getting seven, eight, nine thousand hours on it. Still likes it. Still wants to keep that unit around, but wants to put some confidence back into it. So, making this a uh, a customer facing program where they can pick and choose what they want to do. I want to go through the engine and powertrain, but I put belts on it three years ago. We're going to run what we got, um, or the cab's good enough. I don't need a new cab. I just want to bulletproof the powertrain, um, right. and we'll we'll do that on a, on a tiered level. Um, and, and we'll offer the similar kind of warranties and that kind of thing on, on the powertrain, um, you know, as long as they're repaired to a certain level. So um been pretty exciting. Uh, we haven't done a ton of advertising on it. Just I'll be 100% honest. We're still trying to figure out throughput sure. and time and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And, you know, some of the weird things we found, like 
probably shock you to tell you that it takes more money and time to, to redo a cab than it does a C18 engine. Um, there's a lot of little pieces that. in there. Yeah, yeah. A lot of little, little <laughs> things in there. Yeah, you start pulling covers yeah. off in it. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, what's in there, you know? But, yeah. um, so we're still trying to find, you know, that timeline and kind of streamline the process. The other side is just, you know, getting parts and, and that kind of stuff still been good, but it's, you know, it takes some time. So we're working on that and, and coming out with some better programming um, to get more of a, uh, you know, assembly line type type thing going on. And um, so, yeah, I've actually had calls from all over the country, you know, inquiring on, can we do this with ours, um, you know, including out of the country. So there's there's some some pretty big projects out there that use these tractors for things other than ag um that they're really really interested in keeping them because of you know the application they're in cold weather whatever they work and so why change why change if it doesn't you know isn't broke so yep well you read the stories all the time about the the cat motor graders that have sixty four thousand hours on them because they mm-hmm. rebuilt them three times from tip mm-hmm. to tail and what that looks like so that's pretty impressive i'm I'm interested to watch how you guys how this evolution of this works yeah. out for you guys yeah. yeah and it obviously for us i mean it was an, it was an extrapolation of the caterpillar side of the business doing motor right. graders doing dozers um mm-hmm. i mean we have a full uh part of our our shop up in Minnesota that's all they do is rebuilds for the construction side so mm-hmm we always kind of knew or thought that there was this opportunity out there. Um, and it's proven that there is, um, it's just, we got to kind of, you know, fine tune it and, uh, and, and get it figured out. So, um, we're staying with the big frames right now. Uh, a little concern or my concern would be as we move out from there, you know, time, labor, effort is going to be about the same regardless of what tractor you build. Mm-hmm. So if you get into some of the smaller units and that kind of thing, are are you going to spend that kind of money to get less of a machine? Um, and the other issue becomes in if you know you get into like a row crop tractor, that tends to be your planter machine, a little more technology. Um, mm-hmm. You want a little bit more stuff going on. I, I can't put a new cab on an older machine, so you're kind of limited to what was available at that time. Um, so we haven't moved into the 700 series yet, but would surely entertain doing it. And uh, it's definitely, a, I mean, it's something we could easily do. So, yeah. yeah. Well, be interesting to watch how your evolution of this takes off and runs. Because I think there is absolutely a place for this, um, especially even on the, it doesn't matter what the manufacturer is, some of the stuff when you're looking at where, how pre-emission stuff really starts to play into that. It's still pretty cool to see a tractor, you know, going to get under a load blow out a big puff of black smoke that's that's still pretty cool yeah we're still red-blooded americans so yeah that's right right. you can take the boy out of the country but you can't take the country out of the boy Uh, that's right that's right yep all right ben good good place to stop right there uh folks gonna reach out to you at zigzag what's the best way to do that uh call me on my cell phone 641-745-5427 Right on, man. Yep. Ben, appreciate you being on there. You've been to the Moving Iron Summit uh, a couple times now. Talk three a little bit about that and what you get out of that. Uh, yeah, I think I've been there, uh, I think, three or four years now for sure. Um, great event, uh, a lot of networking. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of times we get stuck in our, our paths, you know, where we're at. And I think that's right. true of any dealer. and mm-hmm. allows us to go out and, and say, hey, how do you guys do it? How do you, you know, what are you seeing or whatever? Kind of like, you know, what you're doing here with your podcast. but. Um, and really, I guess, allows guys to realize that, you know, maybe the battles you're fighting aren't just your battles. Everybody's fighting them, you know, right. logistics, interest rates, whatever. 
um, it's a good opportunity to network. A lot of good uh, uh, learning ability, you know, with breakout sessions. Um, the speakers, you know, Sean Hackett always coming in and giving his spiel has, has been very enjoyable and, and uh, knowledgeable over the years. Um, you know, and some of the other speakers you bring in there, it's it's been a very good learning experience. And uh, I, I would recommend it to anybody, to be honest. Right on, man. Yeah, I enjoy having everyone come there. I mean, I, I'm running around with a chicken with a head cut off scenario most of the time when I'm there, but it's always good to see you guys. And it's good to catch up and talk about what's going on. So, yeah, man, I appreciate you, man. I uh, appreciate yeah, you being on the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you coming. So, you we'll, uh, we'll catch you next time, man. Ben, free off of Zig- Ziggler Ag, uh, use equipment guy there. Give him a call, man. He's got a, he's a wealth of knowledge. He's got a lot of good stuff going there. So, check him out. So, Ben, appreciate it, man. But thanks, Casey. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. Go to Snapchat and TikTok, the same place, and you can see the video version of this over on the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Check it out there. Go to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related, and if you want to join Ben at the Moving Iron Summit, that will be in Nashville, Tennessee. November 4th through the 6th. And uh, so if you need more information about that, I'll have some stuff out here shortly about uh, how to sign up for that. But if you need some more information about that, send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. If you have a question for any guest or anything that's out here, you can also send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com and I can get you there. Or you can uh, just hit me up on the social pages and we'll do it the same way. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Ben Friedhoff. Let's go move some iron folks. When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, We have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here.